Hey folks, my name is Dr. Omar Kokar. I'm a practicing full-time gastroenterologist at Dr. OKMD on Instagram. Follow me there to learn about your butt. And then I'm also <laughs> a huge sports fan and I love sports, especially cricket and collectibles. We have some really cool things coming up with our company Sports Nexion. And I was thrilled to get the invitation from the Pro Sports Podcasters. And I'm thrilled to be here. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host, Justin Williams, and today I'm with the man I saw today. Him and I went uh, up to Richmond Hill, Ontario to pick up some light thing because he wants to take his production to the next level. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the guy who I consider a good friend of mine, and he doesn't seem to mind me at all. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Colbert Durant. Kobe, how you doing? Buddy, I'm doing pretty good, except that I found out very recently that since the turn of the new millennium, I've been getting jacked, significantly bent over on glasses. I I did laugh profusely as you told me this 15-minute story on the car ride. It was great, and I think there's a future for you in stand-up comedy if you ever were to pursue that. But all jokes aside, see what I did there, we have a person here today with us, Kobe. We don't have doctors on the show very often, so I'm very honored to have this gentleman here. It's not Dr. Phil or Dr. Phil of shit, as my uncle used to say, but this guy... It, he does things with sports. He's part of a sports management company. I'll let him talk about that. I hear he owns or owns some type of like sporting facility or team. Again, just given all the hints out there. Ladies and gentlemen, I never went to broadcasting school, but please welcome Mr. Dr. Omar Kokar. Doctor, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Anytime, sir. All right. So we don't have doctors on the show too often, as I mentioned in the intro. So please tell our fans, listeners, and my mother, what type of doctor are you? So people ask me that question. So I'm a butt doctor. I'm a gastroenterologist. Mm. And my scope of practice is from your mouth down to your anus. And everything in between is my territory. And that has a lot to do with sports? Well, yeah. Not really. But... <laughs> <laughs> has it Although, ever uh, gone? Yeah, no, no. Side note, though, you know, you look at a lot of athletes, kind of 18 to 35. That is actually where a lot of common gastro conditions arise, like uh, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome. So, so there's a little bit of overlay. And then especially these days with so much focus on athletes and their well-being in terms of sleep, nutrition, so on. It actually has been kind of interesting where I live. We've got two universities here that have, you know, athletes. And so, a lot of it is kind of, um, it's been interesting. You know, there is a lot of uh, uh, synergy, more than you would think. That is fascinating. So how does one get into this type of doctoral practice? Was it because of sports? And you're like, listen, this is an untapped market. Or were you just like, you know what? 
don't really want to be a dentist because those aren't actual doctors and can't do brain surgery. So no, no, no. My story is far more original. I like this. I'm uh, of South Asian descent. And so my dad is a GI doc. Guess what? I'm a GI doc. Uh, keep it uh, keep it in the family if you will yeah it's not very original but i'm not gonna lie about it right that's the story i i honestly appreciate that so was there any like leeway at all growing up for this or was it always just gi doctor or doctor in general uh i think it was doctor in general and then uh you know i i during medical school i was open to some other things but ultimately it's just what i was familiar with growing up and so it was just kind of a natural transition to this specialty okay and how did sports get involved in all this so i've always been a sports fan i mean even uh i i caught the bug probably when i was 10 it was around 1988 lakers were great 49ers were great the bulls were just getting on i lived i grew up in illinois and so the bulls were just getting big uh and then sports cards were getting big and so i remember sixth grade i would actually um take the lunch money that my mom gave me and I would actually skip lunch and just like mooch a cookie off somebody to stay, you know, uh, not completely starving. And I would actually get off at the bus stop one stop earlier and go to the card shop and I would mm-hmm. buy packs of cards. And it was like three or four weeks later, my mom's like, well, how do you have all these cards? And I'm like, oh, you know, and she's like, wait, hold on, wait. And then so the gig was up, but then I started like mowing lawns for money and stuff. And so I started collecting. So my first hit was like, the David Robinson rookie, 1989 tops or hoops. That mm. was like my first hit. And then unfortunately that was like the junk wax era of cards where they were mm-hmm. just like mass produced. So none of those were really worth anything, but you know, it was just, it was always fun. I was a big basketball card collector and then a little bit into football. You know, I have a Jerry Rice rookie. I have a Joe Montana rookie, you know, and then I got busy with life, you know, high school, med school, you know, training and all that stuff. Uh, a little bit of dabbling here and there, but i uh, always been a sports fan. I, I love sports because to me, it's the great equalizer. I played basketball in high school and, you know, I just, I loved being part of a team. I love being part of a locker room. Um, and I love that when now you attend sports, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way up in Toronto, is that, you know, for those three or four hours, everybody's the same and you're all part of the same tribe for those few hours. And in our world being so fragmented, you know, recently, I just think sports and music are kind of the last two bastions where we can be in a tribe with other people who don't look like us or think like us. But for that short period of time, we're all together in the same boat. Yes, I kind of agree with that in the sense that sports kind of bring everyone together as a community. Some argue that's what entertainment is supposed to be, just kind of this communal, we're all facing the same direction, watching the same event, kind of enjoying or hating, but feeling emotions for what we inevitably see either on the screen or in the stadium. That's, uh, it's profound. I like that. You're, you should be a, you should quit doing that doctor thing and go become a psychiatrist. <laughs> now, hold on a second. How did you go from becoming a fan to becoming a owner? You had an ownership group or part of that that owned an indoor football team. So how, how did that happen? So you can't make this up. I wish it was as unoriginal as my becoming a gastroenterologist story is. This is probably the polar opposite, where um, they had an indoor football team here in my town, and so the hospital would get tickets and sometimes because they're a sponsor. And so I'd go watch indoor football, and I just thought it was fun, the proximity to the field, the ability of the ball coming into the stands. I just, 
I was hooked. And so, but next year, I think it was 2014 or 15, I had a patient in my clinic walk in and he had a polo shirt with the arena logo on it. And so I asked him, I said, you know, do you work for the arena? He goes, oh, no, actually, I work for the football team. And I said, oh, that's cool. And I said, who owns it? And he said, well, there's a guy from Tampa who comes up 10, 10 days a month and he's running it these days. And I said, okay, well, does he want a local partner? He said, I don't know. Can you find out? About three days of texts later and eight weeks later, I was the owner of the team. That quick? Yeah. Well, because the season was wrapping up anyway, right around that time. And so, um, yeah, that was that. So I walk into the arena. I walk into the team offices, which was kind of cool to just see all the stuff everywhere and this and that. But there wasn't really much of a front office. We had a head coach. We had a team roster. And so it was kind of a double-edged sword where I had to build everything from scratch. At the same time, I got to learn everything from scratch. And so we um, operated that franchise for about four years. Um, and it's about 2018 or so. And then um, the new management company came into the arena. And the lease, ultimately, we were still kind of talking about how to renegotiate the lease. And then COVID happened. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. And so we haven't taken the field since 2018, but uh, the team assets, you know, the IP, everything is still under sports connection domain. The players are cryo frozen. As soon as we get a lease, we're going to unfreeze them and get going again. (laughs) Now, now how different is it to watch a game as an owner than it is as a fan? That's a really good question. (laughs) Um, the first half of the game, it's really about networking, meeting your sponsors, meeting your season ticket holders, really entertaining guests, clients. Then that third or fourth quarter, things start to buckle down because you really want to win, not just just for a number of reasons. You want to win. And so that's kind of where I would notice by the third quarter, I'd start paying more attention to the score, be focused more on the game. I'd probably go down to the sideline by the fourth quarter. And so you want to win because you know, you see how much work people put into it. You see how many fans come to this, this, uh, the arena. And so you can't always guarantee or a win or a loss, but I think it's really important where you still want people to leave having a good time, especially at the minor league level. I mean, a lot of times they're not going to remember the score. They're going to remember catching, you know, a $4 t-shirt, right? That's going to make their kids day. And so that's where I think the balance is, you know, in the minor leagues to really make sure it's an entertaining spectacle for two and a half or three hours for a family, as opposed to what the eventual outcome might be on the field. Right on, right on. Now, looking at it from the business side of things, before I pass it back to Justin, I'm not saying that you're talking for everyone, and I don't know that much about the financial side of arena league football, but was it was it a financially viable option for you or is this kind of like a loss leader like a like a passion project that's a good question and um it takes time to build up a fan base and to build up sponsorships especially in the minor leagues we can't rely on media rights right i mean if anything we're often paying the other way to get broadcasted so so um you're really relying on small to medium business enterprises to support you you're looking at season ticket holders to support you and so it just depends. It depends on the market. I mean, you know, I think you're lucky, quite frankly, in the minor leagues to break even after all your expenses and revenues and 
whatnot. Um, if you can turn a small profit, I think that's a bonus. And the minor league level, you're really not getting into it as a standalone business. It's really something, like you said, you're doing something to support the community, to bring athletes together, to bring to give them a second chance. You know, a lot of our players were folks who graduated from scholarships in college mm-hmm. and then, you know, didn't get drafted into the NFL or CFL. And so this gives them an opportunity to at least have game film to show off their talents that they can then show and move on. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Did you hear that, Justin? He mentioned the CFL. I'm so proud. <laughs> that got me <sighs> that got me excited. Uh, Doctor, do, do you watch the CFL at all, or are you just saying that because you want to be cute? Oh, now you're pushing it. Uh, now I'm pushing it. <laughs> probably eighty twenty. I mean, I, I will oh. say my claim. I mean, um, I did follow the Grey Cup. Uh, I think it was nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine because the quarterback for the Niners came out of the CFL, Jeff Garcia, mm-hmm. and that was my first sort of exposure. I'm like, okay, because Garcia was a baller. I mean, for four or five years. He was really good after Steve Young, and so he came out of the CFL, and so it's been kind of on my back burner, you know, for a while. Okay. So I guess kind of sidebar, unrelated, kind of related. With The Rock now joining TKO slash WWE, and obviously him like being part owner of the XFL, is that – like what, what do you think of that whole dynamic of having somebody who owns the XFL and then now also part of like this other bigger organization – like, do you think that's like he's he, like too much going on? Like, what do, what do you think of that as somebody who is an owner? So I, I think there's definitely an appetite for football between February and August. The question really comes down to how much of an appetite is there and how good quality is the product and is it sustainable? And so with The Rock, I mean, he's bringing synergies together. And so I think the more you pool resources together – the the better quality you'll have and the more chance at sustainability you'll have. Um, and so uh, I think it's going to be a good product for those same players, you know, who who we used to have. It gives them another platform to showcase their talent. I agree. But I also disagree a little bit because the CFL starts in June. So there is football to watch. There is football to watch Fair. from February that's, to June. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's that just true. my can That is my true. Answer. <laughs> Cyber, are there any other sports that you watch intently? A basketball. Huge Lakers fan. I'm a local Bulls fan. Uh, and then lately, uh, Illinois State University, where I am, they're really turning their program around in the Missouri Valley Conference. And so I try to get to as many games as those as possible. Because it's just, it's really cool to see the purer version of the game. Just, you know, yeah. kids who are playing because they love playing. And so I've gotten really involved the last. Uh, you know, year or so. And that's been really exciting to watch. And that was something that we actually parlayed where, you know, we spoke to their NIL collective and, you know, we'll probably get to the trading cards part of it. And so it was really cool to actually, you know, make their official men's basketball trading card set. Oh, you actually were part of that process. Yeah. Yeah. We were just uh, talking one day with a couple of the boosters and I said, Hey, look, you know, with NIL and, other opportunities and we want to start highlighting these players in the community Mm. why don't we make a trading card set so we made a trading card set and uh the players signed a few sets and i can't tell you how cool it was maybe about three weeks ago where you know i sit down low by the court and the game was over and it was a victory and so coach peden came over and a kid came up and actually gave uh coach peden a card that my company made 
And so Coach Peden signed the card, gave it back to the kid. And I just had this like, whoa moment, right? <laughs> like, holy smokes, like that just happened. That was really cool. That is amazing. I mean, making your own card company, dude, what don't you do at this point? And like, you're making me feel bad. I feel like I should be doing more with life. No, 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 don't feel bad. You're doing this cool thing. I mean, this is awesome how you guys reached out to me. And so I appreciate you. I just, uh, but it was a cool moment. And then, you know, a couple games later, I saw some kids with the cards going up to the players after the game. And so that's the why, you know, people ask me the why or the how, like, how do you have time to do this? And obviously it takes a team, right? It's not just me. It's a bunch of people who are working with me and we all work together. And uh, that's the why. It's when I saw the joy on the kid's face, getting the card signed, but also for that athlete to see him on a card. I mean, anybody who's ever picked up a, you know, a hockey stick or a ball of any kind wants to be on a card, right? And so that's kind of where this whole thing started, where you know, the Paninis and the Fleers and the, the Donruss and the Tops and now Fanatics, you know, they're going to get your Heisman Trophy winners, right? They're going to sign them to big deals. But what about the other 98% of college athletes who would still love to do that? And that's kind of where I just had this aha moment. And, uh, you know, ISU has been great. We're looking at other universities and it's a crowded space, but we're kind of a niche product. You know, we're not looking to compete against Fanatics here, right? We're looking more at, hey, you know, where do we fit into this ecosystem and how can we, you know, just create that joy moment that both people had that I saw. That was awesome. That was very well put, sir. Before I pass you back to Kobe, I have a kind of a, a little bit of a quick question with the rise in NBA of people hitting 70. So we saw, I mean, Kat got close to it, but we had Embiid, we had Luka Doncic. Do you feel like the NBA is being targeted or is targeting players, I should say, to kind of make that happen, almost like forcing stars? Or is it just a coincidence that two great players had two really big nights almost back-to-back? So I think the bigger um, development in those three things that you mentioned is that, I mean, Luca is not a small guy, but the other two guys are like seven-footers. Yeah. I mean, you have seven-footers shooting three-pointers. That never happened before. You know, yes. Embiid shooting a three isn't weird. Cat shooting a three isn't weird. So I have an 11-year-old, and she's playing basketball, and I'm trying to teach her post moves. And she kind of looks at me like, why can't I just shoot threes? You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's a different world. And so <laughs> so I don't think the NBA is doing anything overtly to promote scoring or, you know, we can get into the nuances of playing defense and all that. But to me, what's more fascinating is just, to have seven footers, you know, previously David Robinson scored 73 or Akeem Olajuwon used to score a bunch, but they would just be in the post. They weren't shooting three pointers. I mean, these guys are shooting logo threes like Jokic. It's, yeah. it's crazy. And I think, I think that's the really just fascinating development of the game the last maybe decade or so. Well, there was a stat that came out that Embiid uh, was hitting roughly 80% twos, like from the paint. Like that's insane. Like even on the best, like that, that just never happened before. You're hitting 80% from two in a game consistently, bro, that disgusting. <laughs> I I agreed. And they're all doing that now, right? It's not just him. It's Giannis. It's, it's Jokic. I mean, they're all shooting such high quality from the paint. It's um, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, just to kind of see down the stretch who comes out of the East and the West 
because the West has a ton of young talent that feels like they've kind of arrived a year or two early, you know, mm-hmm. the Thunder and the T-Wolves. And so it's going to be exciting. Uh, I, I love I love it when the small markets do well because you need that. You need small markets to do well. So, you know, I'm rooting against the Chiefs, obviously, in two weeks, but I love that <laughs> Kansas City, you know, is the epicenter of football right now, right? So, and same with Milwaukee, like with the Bucks and Minnesota and Oklahoma City. I mean, that's what keeps the game alive. It does indeed. And as somebody from Toronto, we're not a small market, but we're the only Canadian in NBA. So you know what? I'm, uh, I kind of like when we won for selfish reasons, and I feel like it did our country well. Damn right it did. Damn right it did. Now, Dr. Omar, so let's talk a little bit about sports next year, right? About your sports management and promotional company. And this began right around the time that you, you purchased the arena football team, correct? Yes, that's what kind of was the genesis of this project, and that's primarily what it was, which again kind of went dormant around 2019, and then it kind of resurrected itself in 2022. So what's the mission statement here? The mission statement is similar to what we talked about earlier, where we just recognize how critical of a role sports plays in our life and how much joy it brings to people. And so if we can somehow be part of that and give joy to people, that's what we're here for. You know, whether it's making trading cards, whether it's bringing, you know, cricketers from Southeast Asia to North North America so that fans can meet them. You know, that's another thing where it's just the joy it brings to people. That's that's the sauce for me. Okay, so I mean, okay, what's your heritage? You mentioned cricket. Yeah, so my, my family hails from Pakistan. So, okay. um, you know, I didn't follow cricket growing up. Like I said, I was more of a NFL NBA fan, but kind of in the mid nineties, I started picking up as when you could start watching cricket, you know, on TV and whatnot. And so that's kind of when I picked up on it. It's been a really cool link for me. And also now my kids where it's something that they can relate to, you know, Pakistan is a very challenging country, but cricket is something that, We've always been, you know, top four in the world for the last 30 odd years. And so it's a big source of pride for me. And then also see my kids who are second generation, how they can relate to, you know, the Pakistan cricket team. It's really nice. Okay. And your your love of sports began as a collector. Are you an active collector now or you just have what you have from before? Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> I um, during COVID, as the collectible sort of industry morphed into something big, you know, I spent a lot of money on whatnot. <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of money on box breaks online. I mean, yeah. it. Um, <laughs> I realized that something needed to be pulled back here, you know, and I, I got some good hits. I got some Trevor Lawrence's. I got some uh, some Tua rookies. And so I get it. It's fun. It's a totally different thing that I grew up with 30 years ago. But um, what changed for me is that uh, – me and a couple of med school buddies went on a bucket list trip to Melbourne to watch cricket, Pakistan, India. And I was FaceTiming my five-year-old. And I said, what do you want from Australia? And he says, I want cricket cards. I said, sounds good. Well, I looked in Melbourne. I looked in Sydney. I saw some local cards for Women's Big Bash League and some other Australian leagues, but nothing international, nothing Pakistan. And that's where I had another like kind of aha moment. And that's what kind of resurrected Sports Nexion once again. Okay, so you basically you found an underserved market. I think time will tell, but that's what I'm. That's what my instinct tells me is that 
the collectible market is one market. The cricket world is another world altogether, which is, as you know, is the second most popular sport in the world. And I do think there's a market for it. I think it has to be done well. It has to be done at a premium level. You have to have all the major players involved. But I do think there's definitely a market for it. Have you dabbled in NFTs yet? So we've looked at NFTs and we've kind of gone a different way where our cards have uh, QR codes on the back, some of them. And they, like, for example, the Illinois State University set, every athlete has their QR code on the back of their card. And when you scan that with your phone, you get, go straight to their Instagram page. And that creates some synergy and connectivity between the fan, the card, and the player. We've also looked at augmented reality mm-hmm. in terms of how can we embed video links into the cards. We've looked at that. We've looked at potential tokenization of our physical asset which is a little bit like an NFT, but in terms of NFTs and online, uh, I'll leave that to people who are more blockchain experts. I'm looking more at the collector who wants to hold the card in their hand. Okay. Okay. That's fair. And amongst all of this, are you still a practicing doctor? Full time. I did uh, 15 <laughs> colonoscopies today. I'm still in my scrubs. <laughs> if oh, this was a video, man. I'm still in my scrubs. Yep. You're a busy boy. You are a busy boy. No, good on you. Good on you, buddy. This guy, just just for context, listeners, we were supposed to do this interview at seven, but something came up and I can't be here for seven. So our knee reached out and switched it to five. And Dr. Omar was so, so lovely to accept this last second change. So we appreciate that you're in scrubs. And uh, it just seems more authentic that you're doing it this way. So thank you so much. Before we get you out of here, just a couple last minute nuance, like a couple serious questions and some couple kind of just nuanced things we do tend at all. When it comes to sports, what would you like to see happen in North America to grow essentially not little league, but uh, kind of more of those house shows? Like, is there anything you have in mind? When you say house shows, what do you mean? So I mean like the minor leagues, if you will. Oh, I see. Do you mean with cricket or do you mean sports in general? Anything in general from hockey, basketball, cricket, whatever. I think infrastructure is key. And I think there's a lot of talent mismatch even now in North America where you've got a lot of talent in uh, the African American community, the Hispanic community, even the South Asian community, which is 24 million people now in in, uh, the United States. Um, There's still a uh, talent versus equipment inequity. And I know there's a lot of people working on that. The Aspen Institute, there's other places that are working on rectifying those gaps. So I think it's more about infrastructure. And if I just, if I pick on cricket, it, it's simple enough. We just got to make a cricket ground everywhere, you know? And and uh, the way T20 cricket has come on now, it's very baseball-ish and very golf-ish in a lot of ways where people are practicing their torque and their techniques based on those sports. I think there's a lot of opportunity for the local youth of North America to potentially break into cricket. And I've had those conversations with colleagues whose kids play baseball or softball where, you know, those are very saturated at the college level, but cricket is wide open. And so I think it's going to be really fun maybe in the next five or 10 years to have sort of local talent play for USA and Canada. That's what we love too. I mean, I I really enjoy when when sports itself, even MMA, because some people kind of forget to lump that into the sports. Arguably, it's one of the top four sports now, but that's a whole different conversation. 
Um, I love when, when MMA, for instance, or, or uh, basketball or hockey kind of has that light where it's, you're paying attention to the little leagues the, or the smaller leagues, if you will. So like over where I live in, in, in and around the GTA area, we have a bunch of CHL teams, Mississauga Steelheads, Streetsville Derbies, Brampton Beasts, well, like Brampton Folded. But my point is when those kind of get notoriety and, and, and time and people go to them, it's, it's such a rewarding feeling because in a way you're supporting the next generation of of athlete and it's to go from the ground up and it's absolutely phenomenal. So sir, before we get you out of here, can you tell our friends, family, and my mother how to find you on social media? <laughs> sure. Uh, we're at sports connection uh, on Instagram and sportsnection.com on the good old worldwide web. Uh, we have a lot of really exciting things coming up. I was recently in Dubai a couple weeks ago and we had some very, very good meetings with some cricket legends who are coming on to sports connection and uh, we have some really really cool unique first to market products coming up in the pipeline that if you're either a collector of cricket or you're a cricket fan or a collector i think you're going to be really excited about the quality of the product we're putting out Ooh, do you want to tease out a little bit or do you want us to leave it there well let's just say that um the traditional collectible industry relies a lot on uh, sticker autograph cards, Ooh. but at Sports Connection, we're looking at on card. And so I'll just leave this here where imagine if you had a card that had on card autos for Jordan, Magic, and Bird. So you knew that every one of those players actually touched the card that you might have pulled out of a pack. How cool would that be? That would make me happy in my side place. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport is left behind.